hello. Hello. I'm Jessica Benoist Young. I'm Melanie Reef. And this is Best Line. Worst Line. Where apparently I force Melanie to watch movies. <laughs> um, yes. She just revealed that uh, she really only watches movies for this podcast. <laughs> It's um. true. That is, I mean, <laughs> I have historically been a television person more than a movie person. So I will spend like, but I can watch a whole series of a television show in like a day and a, an hour and a half movie. I have, I'm like, okay, Jess, fine. I'll watch it. And then I always am glad I did, but it's yes. This is a, a, a week that we've talked about for a while mm-hmm. and it's a hard week. We're doing some Disney, and so it is very fitting that we have uh, the guest that we have today. He, we both know him from doing musical theater for long, long, for a long, a long time, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's spent ten years of his career working for Disney. I just like right off the bat have to say that, like when I first met his family. They know more about Disney than like than like anybody that I know. <laughs> um, so so yes, this is this is like the best possible person to have here for these movies this week. His voice actually is the voice of the grand opening of the Shanghai Disney Park. Please welcome. Uh, and he just did. He just did. We talked about this show just a couple months ago. She loves me. He was just mm. uh, the lead in She Loves Me. Great and man. yeah, so please welcome Adam Paul. Woo! Hey guys. Hey, Adam. Hi. Hey. I. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Adam. Sorry, no, Melanie. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, yeah. I did not realize that you have been with Disney for 10 years. It was, yeah. I. It's been, I've been now not with them right. for a couple. Um, uh, just due to my own choosing, that was right. no other thing, um, and have have pivoted over and um, have a really great career with with Universal now, which is wonderful. Great, um, which I which I've enjoyed. But um, yeah, it's so funny, Jessica, when you said uh, how much we know Disney. I remember, I think we would go over to to the old the old Benoist home, and we would play like Disney yeah. trivia yeah. there on like holidays yes. and stuff. I, we I had remember when when the different disney trivia there was like a disney seen it and a disney trivial pursuit mm-hmm. and like yeah mm-hmm. the one that had like it was like the shape yeah. of like the mickey ears and it was like the big yes. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so i even i completely forgot about that but yeah we've known uh, we were just recapping uh we've known each other all the, the, the three of us now for close to 20 years or so over. um and have kind Probably. of and right well i think maybe not over i think i came I in ish about 23 i think Oh, you think, I think so? It's, I, it's, it's been a while, regardless. It's, but yeah, it's been a while. I have distinct memories of going to your house, Adam, and like watching mm-hmm. watching Disney movies. Like the one that springs to mind is Oliver and Company. Just like sitting mm-hmm. in like your living room and watching Oliver and Company, like in the middle of the day in the summer. <laughs> Yeah, that's just that's just how it yeah, went. Exactly. Before Disney Plus existed, exactly. it was just it was just rotational VHSs on on our on our TV. Exactly. Uh, which is which is 
which is nuts. But I will say, without getting into the movies that we picked exactly, but what was weird was um, Jessica. Is I remembered um, while while I was watching our the first movie we're talking about tonight to, or today is um, how. I learned from you when we were making burn CDs, oh, yeah. <laughs> interspersing movie yes. quotes in between in between uh-huh. songs. That was to me like a pivotal Jessica Benoist thing. Like if you you like could make like, I, and I remember I would record like quotes from Willy Wonka, or it would be like three Migos quotes, or it would be like random stuff. Even songs would be like interspersed with like other songs, and you would make this like. It was it was this journey of things. <laughs> well, I just, that was... just blew Melanie's blew mind. my mind. Like, I, had, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea you could do this. And like, yeah, it would. I would like record them on like LimeWire yeah. or Kazaa or whatever. I would record those down, and then we would. I, I, I want to say she was the first time I ever heard it when we would like drive around uh-huh. in your car, Jess. And then and I would hear it, and I was like, "That's freaking brilliant." <laughs> I don't even so know good. why I started doing that. I really don't know. Either way, it was brilliant. I mean, it's just like a testament to how into storytelling like we all have been since we were kids. Sure. Because like that whole like I would create soundtracks for movies that I was going to write or whatever, and like that like pulling movie quotes like weaves it all together. A playlist. So, in a very, oh my god, I want to go do go that do now. Yeah. Like there goes my Sunday. Do you have time. a CD player though? It's a really good time. I don't, but I, don't. I can. But I'm sure I can figure out how to do that on Spotify. Like so, I'm sure yeah. I can rip. You some... can do it digitally. Yeah. So did I have yeah. something from this movie? I I don't know that you did. I oh, want to say okay. I I know so, that at one point okay. I had I had taken some of the things from from this first movie and done it uh, and and interspersed some stuff uh, because again this is this is a big. The first one is a huge, hugely quote quotable machine. movie that uh, it's 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 nothing mm-hmm. but quotes, and so- which which made it very difficult for me to find a worse uh-huh. line because they're all there. It, it feels like it's just yeah. nothing but jokes. No, like there's no really and truly there's not a lot of plot device lines. Which um, fun fact, I went back and I listened to your Hocus Pocus episode to okay. try to prep for this. Um, That's a good one, and and I'm really glad I did because Melanie helped me a lot. I'm so glad. With, finding my worst line in a person who grew because I couldn't find one. And I had to, I had to be like, where does it, they're all good, but what line like maybe doesn't make any sense yeah. or isn't, isn't warranted. Um, That's what I tend to I'm getting like. ahead of myself. No, but you, you actually did a great intro into the first movie is uh-huh. Emperor's New Groove. And I, I, it has been probably, it has been at least 15 years since I've seen this movie. Oh my God, it's been... It has been a long, oh, wow. long time. And it's been like 15 minutes yeah. oh, for there me, you I go. think. I think I watched it. Like... As you just said, Adam, like I, like I, so many of the quotes that I wrote down is like best lines and they're not like the best lines ever written, but like were things that I remember quoting all the time because they were just sure. so... Quotable. Like that I think is like that's what I took away from watching this movie with an eye to the script. It was kind of like when we did Legally Blonde, Jess was like, I'm not sure like the script, as you said, like plot convention wise, there's not a ton of like lines that are like, oh, this is like a good plot device line. But it is it is a joke machine. Oh, and yeah. there are things uh-huh. that I just remember like I think I will get into it, but there's like one character that like everything that they said, I just was like, and writing that down because uh-huh. I just remember singing mm-hmm. those lines. All the time. Yeah, I think I wrote down like 
I mean, I have like just two pages of lines, just fantastic, like just dead on perfect comedy. It's just amazing. Yeah. But, but I think the thing that I was trying to focus on, I mean, at least thematically, and, and I kind of mentioned this to you, Jess, when we were talking about this initially, was that it's it's interesting. And I kind of, you know, when we were talking about Ember's New Groove and how it kind of falls within this post-Renaissance Disney yeah. world, um, for those of you listening, the Renaissance is like the big, you know, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, you know, Lion King, King et cetera. Huh? But, then, but then all the movies that kind of fell after that, um, that like early 2000s is what they call the post-Renaissance. And mostly just movies that were panned um, or at least not, mm-hmm. not critically or, or, you know, did very well box office wise. And how... I kind of look at that as kind of the underappreciated era of Disney. Right. Like there's some really great gems, these two movies in particular that we're talking about. And so with that, I kind of also tried to find my theme was like, what are the underappreciated lines mm-hmm. in these movies that are maybe like, like everybody knows the big right. ones, but maybe there's these ones that are like, Oh shoot. I completely forgot that there's this like killer line, but isn't as, isn't as, as maybe quotable or whatever. I totally noticed that this time too, that like, there's a lot of what, what this movie, what I think goes underrepresented in this movie, because there are so many good, just like character lines and punch lines and joke lines and the banter, the banter, Mm -hmm. especially between Cusco and Pacha is like, amazing and i've never like i've known it was there but in an analytical way like i've never realized just how good it is and how it was really ahead of its time i think for comedy on the whole the scene very self-aware yeah and i mean in the second movie we'll talk about is meet the robinsons and both of them are that's pretty bantery too and they're both buddy comedies Mm -hmm. and i think like i mean Mm -hmm. the they're after like the quintessential disney pixar buddy comedy which would be toy story but this they're like they're both buddy comedies and yeah there's so much banter between them and i mean even in emperor's new groove there's a lot of banter like every character is just banter because uh-huh. you have that with yzma and Kronk too i mean i think my favorite scene if i if we were choosing best scene my favorite scene it upon rewatching Emperor's New Groove is the kitchen scene where they are going oh, yeah. in and out of the revolving yeah. door. It's so good. And it is, it is, mm-hmm. it is lightning speed. Kronk is responding. To, Cheese me no likey. Yeah. Kronk is responding to Yzma <laughs> and Cusco. They're just lightning speed. It is brilliantly written, brilliantly animated. It is. And it was just like, this is a genius comic convention right here. Mm-hmm. Just plopped yeah. in the middle of a Disney buddy comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and also not only that, but you also have, you know, it's a buddy, it's a buddy comedy, but then you also have these, these villain pairings as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you know, you have Yves McCronk and you have Buller Hack Guy and Doris, as far as that, there's, there's bits and funny things in there that kind of mm-hmm. mirror, mirror that, which, which yes. is really great. Just as, as somewhat of a side, but I'm curious to see if either of you, did either of you watch or know about the, um, uh, leaked documentary no, about Emperor's New Groove. No, Group. I just read about that like this I've, morning. So it's, I've not heard about it's it. Fascinating. Have you seen it? Yes. Oh my it's, gosh! I, I can send. I'll send you the link because it exists on on the interwebs. Okay. Um, Everything, but does. it's it's a very like. It's like it's like someone literally took a VHS and 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 made it digital. Like it's like the VHS got out okay. and and they did this thing. But you see the like tracking lines and stuff and like huh. the the little thing in the bottom, whatever. It's so the original story 
um, or the original movie title, I believe was called Kingdom of the Sun um, and was an Owen Wilson. Really? Yeah. Um, And I want to say it was Owen Wilson and David Spade. And I want to say it was John Goodman who came in later. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to rewatch it. Um, it's super irrelevant to what we're talking about. But no, if you watch really it, it's fascinating though. because it's all about how they originally wanted it to kind of echo some of the success of Lion King and Tarzan. And they brought in Sting. And that's why Sting was, he was way more involved. He had like seven songs yeah. he had written and they were all going to be in the movie. And the majority of the majority of this little like 30 minute documentary primarily focuses on the fact that sting is pissed because um, it was his wife keep... right that put it together trudy styler it could be i don't i don't know that uh, but it's anyway i'll send it to you but it's fascinating and so when you think about that and you get to where we are now and how well written it is because generally speaking i think we all know there are some disney movies that maybe have, have come out more recently that um have been very like they start off one film and then all of a sudden it does a weird pivot yes. and you're like how did we get uh-huh. here? Because you can tell during the process it was it went through rewrites or like, oh, actually, we don't want to really focus on that anymore. Whereas I feel like with this movie, it's so well-conceived and so well-rounded as far as what the themes are and, mm-hmm. and the comedy is all consistent. There really isn't a break of like, well, how did we just get here tonally or anything like that? So knowing that they had to do and almost did an entire rewrite yeah. of the film while they were in pre-production to how it came out is, is I think even more of a wonder. Yeah. So I was reading about that, that they, that they plan on this being a little bit more of an, of an epic, um, more along the lines Mm -hmm. of like you were saying, like uh, lion King uh, or hunchback or that type of thing. And with the lack of success from hunchback, um, they really decided to just completely pivot away from anything like anything resembling drama or epic cultural themes or anything like that and just really went for the comedy like I think that was such a good choice as somebody year production period six year production period (laughs) I mean I know that animation takes long in general um, right but that is Mm -hmm. long but as somebody who has still never seen the end of Hunchback of Notre Dame, because it scared me too much in theaters when I saw it the first time, sure. I sure. like I I respect the choice that Disney made to make this a just flat out comedy because I like I mean I I think this was one of my favorites when it came out. Like I just remember uh-huh. absolutely loving loving this movie, and I think like I mean I Kronk like as as I was saying before like all of Kronk's lines I wrote down just because I remember <laughs> saying them constantly. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, it's so funny when you go back and watch a movie that you haven't seen in, you know, over a decade and you're like, Oh, I know exactly what line is coming next. Um, and that was the experience I had while watching Emperor's New Group, which made it very fun to watch because it was very, very nostalgic for me. Oh, for sure. It's almost impossible for me to choose a favorite, a- favorite or best line or worst line from this movie however um and that is and that's where i'd say disney is hard and Mm -hmm. so we do focus a lot on the animation in disney i mean i think a lot of a lot of people who don't spend their free time analyzing movies would think of disney as an animation studio or at least in terms of their animated films but it's really not where they've had their success and their success has always been in their storytelling formulas and, mm-hmm. and 
it's just too tight, man. It's so tight. These scripts, I mean, you can just imagine the amount of work that these scripts go through. And yeah. the best of the and, best and, of yeah, the rewrites. best. Yep. Which is why finding a best line or a worst line is, it's because yeah. it really isn't a throwaway yeah. because they have to then sit there and animate it. So everything has to be intentional. Uh-huh. Every frame is intentional, which means every word is intentional. And, you... and yes, there are some that are like, eh, but like, you know, and that's what my, was hard for me in both of these movies to go, where was the throwaway? Where could it have been better? Or where was it, you know, difficult? Yeah. And I think that's where I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what you two have to say about specifically worst line because there's about a thousand best lines of both of these movies. I mean, it yeah, I really <laughs> thinking of thinking of worst line in Emperor's New Groove. I mean, exactly as you said, Adam. They are they have to animate everything, so everything is an intentional choice. That script gets poured over, so it's not like. Like, I mean, we've had lines before. I'm like, that character would never say that. Um, and that it becomes my worst line. That's not the case here. And then I think what, where I ended up falling for worst line here was, um, and one of the challenges we've run into before is doing, doing movies that are older is like things that don't age well. And it's like, is mm-hmm. it, is it a facet of its time? And I don't like it because of that. And that's not really a script thing or is there a better choice that could have been made even if it is a facet of its time so and, you didn't like the bride parade yeah i mean the bride parade was not <laughs> my the bride fave. lineup <laughs> i mean but like that like that actually wasn't the one Bring that i on chose because it was like it, like it made sense for the character and right, it made right. sense for who he was at that time and so like that like okay doesn't doesn't age great makes sense for the character Probably, like, I, you could use that same convention today if you're telling the point about how the character changes. Like, didn't have a problem with that. Where I sure. where I fell then was ki- kind of, like, right after that. And it's, again, not a bad line. It's when Yzma is talking to Cusco, and he kind of just, like, zones out. And he's like, whoa, look, look at, at wrinkles. these wrinkles. Yeah. What's holding this woman together? How long has that been there? And I'm just like, yes, the character is old and scary. And that is the point of the character. And I'm like, could we have made a different choice than talking about a woman and her aging? And I mean, again, this was made in a time where that, like those conversations weren't being had as much, but that I was like, I was like, could we have made a different choice than this woman is old and she is wrinkly and that's what makes her scary and that's kind of where I fell on worst line. But like, as, as you were saying, like, I was like, if I had to choose one, that's what I chose. And that was the reasoning behind it. But it was hard. It was hard to find a worst line. So I, I went with like, could this have been a different choice that isn't as based on a woman's aging? Sure. I had a similar yes. thing that was like, um, based on <laughs> a woman's stereotype. Um, I really didn't like the line. I didn't like the voice, like the direction that the voice actor took, which is insane because I absolutely love this actress and I usually am totally on board with everything she does. Um, but there's this scene when Pasha gets back to the house and, um, what's the wife's name? Chicha? Chicha. 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 And tells tells Chicha (laughs) that, um he didn't get to see him. He's lying, obviously, mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. what he did get to see him. And um, right. just in case you are a weird person that lives under a rock and hasn't seen 
Emperor's new groove, we will be inserting some plot. But anyway, <laughs> Pacha did see the Emperor. Emperor says, I'm going to knock Spoilers. knock your house down for my Cusco-topia summer resort home. It's his birthday present to himself. Um, <laughs> or if you're like me and haven't seen the movie in over 15 you years, go. you forgot you that go. that was the plot convention. So, mm-hmm. so he lies <laughs> and says that he has not... He didn't get to see him, that the emperor canceled after he got all the way there. So she gets upset. That kind of behavior just, just, uh, I got to go wash something. Yeah, she does like two noises, (laughs) that noise. And then she goes like, ah, and this is Wendy Malick and nothing against Wendy Malick. Like they they just didn't, I'm guessing they didn't give her a full line to say. And I guess that's what, like, I wanted her to finish her thought. Yeah. Um, and say something actually like cohesive. And then she just goes, does that snorting noise? And then goes, I got to go wash something. She's eight months pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, please don't go wash something. And I don't like this idea that like <laughs> pregnant women just go rage clean. Like, sh- why can't she go lay down? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I thought. So- <laughs> I mean, I think, yes. And, and this is maybe where I have, I have absolutely no uh, leg to stand on um, <laughs> f- for the sake of argument is it is it that it could be construed the opposite direction if she were to be like oh, I gotta go lie down it's that I guess because I, I I have uh, two pregnant women who are working for me currently um, who are both very much in the like nope I'm I, I'm here I want to be here yeah. until I'm about to pop I want to be doing this stuff and, and you know like I you know I'm still good to go and I don't want to you know kind of do mm-hmm. that so I think that's the flip side is like I liked with a lot of that depiction and, and how she was still very present yes, and, she and she still was was she was she was still, you know, yeah, I, regardless, I think there was a lot of that stuff that she was very, you know, empowered to do a lot of really great stuff and, you know, was still very involved in the plot. And or I think to my I still don't know if Disney's animated another pregnant woman yeah, ever since, since or before. That's a true point. So so I think I think if nothing else. Yes, I think, Jess, you're right in the fact that there definitely could have been a little more dimension given to mm-hmm. her, especially in that in that time period. Right. I don't, I mean, I don't think, like, it's that big a deal, but, I mean, we, like, like we said, like, you have to nitpick mm-hmm. to figure mm-hmm. out what, I mean, because, and I just thought, like, in a movie that has so many good jokes, yeah. that's kind of a weak joke. And, yeah. and no, right. it, like I said, like the cutoff, yeah, it the just cutoff and the unfinished line and the noises, yeah. like it's just the comedy just did not land for me at all. Sure. And everything else just lands like, oh, so good. So it's funny you said that. So mine um, happens much earlier and is actually closer to Melanie's and is, I think, right after in the scene right after is um, I was trying to find lines where there was something inaccurate. Mm. Okay. And um, Yzma says, there's only, the, the only people who know are the three of us, soon to be two of us. And that's wrong because she had just gotten a pink slip from somebody else firing her. Oh. And there were potentially other people in the room because right yeah. after that happens, he says out loud, okay, bring in the peasant. So that's where, again, I had to be like, all right. And again, if we're talking, like, that is the nitpickiest of nitpicky <laughs> things. But I was like, everything else in the movie seems to either you know, perpetuate things or be correct or a joke. Mm-hmm. And at this point I was like, that's the only time I could find that I was like, this doesn't line. This doesn't line with everything that just has either come before it or after it. Um, but again, talk about nitpicking. Is, like everything is yeah. just. 
Speaking of things that are like slightly wrong too, when they're doing a like the girl from Ipanema plays, I'm like, they're in Peru. That's Brazilian. Um, I mean, like, I get it, but like, I, like I wrote that down. I was like, this is Brazilian. Too funny. And a couple hundred down years next later, future. <laughs> right. But I'll also say, and this is this is maybe not a worse line, but I think, and I'm curious about what you two writers have to say about this because I am not one. There is a, to me, I think there is a, um, there's a plot point or plot device that I think is used that is not, that's never paid off later in in the movie. And I know that it's used as a joke, but I'm like, wait a second, what this meant is something so much bigger than anyone probably understands is when Tipo and Chaka, which are the kids. Yes. Wake this up. This bothered me actually. <laughs> wake up. And he had just seen his dad fall down a waterfall. Yes. And Chaka says, and and yeah, and I saw him kiss a llama. Yeah, he kissed a llama. So these kids potentially (laughs) are clairvoyant. Yeah, I was like, they're clairvoyant children. The third one, the third one is that they'll make the precogs from Minority Report. All three of them. You know, (laughs) once the third one's born. But then later, later I was like, okay, are we going to go with this bit of when they're playing, when they're playing jump rope, there's a time in which the jump rope is moving without anybody touching it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I just thought he tied I'm like, it are to the these wall Disney or magic. No, 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 no. There's a time. If you go back, there's a time in which Kronk is doing it and Yzma pulls Kronk in and there is literally, you see the handle of the, of the jump rope spin but there's nobody touching the handle of the jump rope we need to talk and i'm about... like the kids are doing it the kids are doing it <laughs> we need to talk about these kids Disney oh my goodness these x-men these these x-men kids <laughs> in this movie um, no Speaking i of thought pets... about that and i because i was like i i thought that same thing i was like i don't but i just like did not even have the energy to get into like the implications of are we supposed to believe that these kids are actually like psychically having these dreams and then but it's funny and this is almost funny although i don't like it It, i used to probably think it was funny and it's meant to be funny or whatever but like then they do the whole uh -uh, uh uh-uh uh-huh or whatever Uh like they do that Mm -hmm, back and mm -hmm, forth mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. don't night mom yeah i don't like it anymore i'm sure i thought it was just fine but i don't like it anymore it's so funny (laughs) thinking about the like the what i don't like anymore because like they're as true of most Disney movies or a lot of Disney movies of this era, actually most Disney movies, there are jokes written for kids and there are jokes written for adults. And so many Mm -hmm. of the lines that I remember are the jokes written for kids because what I last saw was a kid. So like, I mean, no touchy, no touch or like, Mm -hmm. look at me and my bad self. Like the stuff that I used to like, I was like the squeak, squeaky Mm -hmm. squeak. Like when Kronk is teaching the chip, uh, the squirrels at the end or Mm -hmm the junior chipmunks, chipmunks. Yeah. and i was like like those were the lines that i was like yep mm-hmm, remember that one um because it's like things that i would quote all the time as a child like most of kronk's lines and those are definitely i mean there are definitely jokes that kronk has that are adult like like when he has the um like all the orders are coming in and they think he's the chef mm-hmm. Oh, wait a second, please don't Four combos, extra bacon on the side, two chili cheese samplers, a basket of liver and onion rings, a catch of the day, and a steak cut in the shape of a trout. You got all that, honey? Three liquors wearing pants, plate of hot air, basket of grandma's breakfast, and change the bull to a gill. Got it.
Got it. Like yeah. that Pulled is a, a guilt. funny yeah. joke. Mm-hmm. The other one. It is. And then and then they pay it off when the fact that you see him throw down a steak that and looks it's like and it's fish. in the shape of a fish. <laughs> which is so it's good. So good. It's so good. So, so good. Well, and the other joke that I like it's so oh, no, subtle no, 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 no. that I was just like Wait, early on break, that I was like, when she I, says break us out of the closet, I gotta get this in here before I forget. Because this is the perfect place for adult cronk <laughs> when she when they're trying to break out of the closet she's like break it down break it down are you kidding me this is hand <laughs> yes, mahogany. mahogany i wrote that one down too um and then like the <laughs> early early in the movie when Cusco fires isma he's like how else can i say it you're being let go your department's yes. being downsized mm-hmm. you're being part of an outplacement we're going a different direction and then this is the one i never got until now we're not picking up your option and that yeah. is such an inside baseball joke yeah. like it yep. is so it is such a specific we're not you're not getting hired or you're not getting a job that is specific to the entertainment industry i mean at least i think it is mm-hmm. i don't know if there's another thing where you're yeah. not picking up an option but like i laughed so hard at that because i was like that is so niche and so smart and then I love when she repeats it back to him, and he's like, "Hey, that's kind of like what you said, what, <laughs> he, what said he said to you." And she says, "I know. Yes, it's crunk. called, it's a, called cruel a cruel irony. irony. Like my dependence <laughs> on you. On you." <laughs> okay. I just, we were talking about the jump rope spinning before, and to me, that was like just Disney magic. And this movie has a bunch of Easter eggs that are like just a little off of like Disney things and other like the. The singer at the beginning is that the goofy movie right. character? Because it's I don't know. He no, kind of it's not. It looks it's not. It's not the goofy movie okay. character. You mean you mean extremely goofy movie, or do you mean goofy goofy movie? Extremely like Powerline. I don't know, but like I, I don't, don't know. It, it, think so. It's it's been a while since I've seen um, that. It looks very close to like a character that would be in that movie, though. Sure, sure. Oh, I can look it up. When I was looking into this, and like we talked about, um, like with the rehaul on the whole thing, is they were definitely going for, and I think they pulled off the most of a Chuck Jones or Looney Tunes vibe of any Disney movie I think that we've seen. Yeah. Um, they definitely wanted it to be not only high comedy in the script, but just gags and slapstick uh, Mm -hmm. throughout and they really do pull that off on both accounts and so i guess that's maybe like the jump rope thing kind of fits into that like this inanimate object just continues to go even though nobody's holding on to it and the other the other like easter egg like when he changes into a bird at the end when he's like going through all the different animals it's like slightly off iago it like looks like iago it's slightly off iago I mean, sure. maybe that's not an Easter egg. I'm like, it kind of looks like Iago, but it's like a parrot that is red and has a yellow beak, which is mm-hmm. Iago. I mean, you're definitely right in that. And one of the things I wrote down is there's, as, as again, if, if the whole theme of this is underappreciated things about the movie, I think, you know, again, a lot of these jokes are just absolute, you know, just one after one, one after another. But I think the thing that really doesn't get a lot of attention is the visual gags mm-hmm. that are in it that, that, that are, are subtle and honestly probably wouldn't even be seen upon first watching. Um, yeah. Some of the things where when, when Kronk is, has the bag and he's going around and he's doing his own theme music and he gets against the wall and he's hiding and it zooms out and it's two guys yeah. in etched in the stone that are pointing right at him, which <laughs> yes. is 
brilliant. <laughs> or like when like the, the, the poison is hitting the cactus and then the cactus turns into a llama, but they don't even really point it out. It's just stuff that happens in the background that you see that you may notice. Or like even the, the small thing of like the squirrel making a llama balloon instead of just like having an actual, you mm-hmm. know, just a regular balloon. Yeah. But like it's a llama. Like there's all of these things that are very like again you're just not gonna see or pay attention to because there's so much going on or there's so much mm-hmm. you know auditorily or even just the fact that it's like a thousand candles on that birthday cake for isma yeah. it's just <laughs> such a good freaking bit like the fact that it wasn't just like one on there like any any restaurant would do it is so many it's falling off of the cake there's so many of them um <laughs> Just again, just from a visual standpoint, you can tell the animators were like, oh, yeah, no, we're doing this. Let's go. Which brings me to a question that I have, like, specifically for you. And this is kind of unfair for me to expect that you would have any sort of insight on it. But why was this movie not a ride? Thank you. That was okay because that that I wrote that yeah. down with when she's like pull the lever, crow, pull the, le- pull the and lever, they, but, and then and the skull sure. gives the skull tees it up. Please remain seated and keep your leg arms and legs in at all times. Mm-hmm. I wrote in all caps. How has this ride not been created? Well, and like, Epcot is right there. Like yes. just stick it in Epcot. <laughs> That's what I, we're doing with all of this new stuff so, anyway, so I, I don't I don't know. Um again, much like much like I have to I probably don't know that I have to say this, but I do not speak for the company. Um I um I, the only thing I can think of and, and actually Jessica, this actually reminds me of your your hocus pocus one, is that this movie was not right. Yeah. Wasn't initially received. Uh-huh. You know, this was a slow burn movie. Right. This was this was, you know, again, to your point, it wasn't a zombie movie because it didn't come back from back to life. It's the fact that it was like a, it was almost a Lazarus where it was dead. And then it, it, it made this very slow, but very purposeful resurgence, resurgence into pop culture. Mm-hmm. Not even a resurgence. Cause I don't even know that it really was much of anything until, you know, more recently when right. everyone's just like, no, this is huge. When millennials and, started being like, and, and in I, charge of things. Sure. Right. I mean, I think it's the same reason why like, you know, the big thing that everybody wants to have happen is to have, you know, the rock and roller coaster become a power line roller coaster. You know what I mean? It's that thing of, you know, I I think as much as we as millennials or we as this, this age group, you know, think that our, you know, because we're all around each other and like, we don't understand it's the best. And other, and then, but you, but you look at people who are maybe 20 years younger or 20 years older and they're like, boo, nobody cares. So I think that's where like, we would love it, but we're also not everybody yeah but we're also the parents right now like so we're taking the kids to the parks and stuff so like you want to get us to go like open a ride from our cult classic yes movies from 23 years ago and finally build the door (laughs) roller coaster from monsters inc like that sure the, the biggest miss to me i mean we digress, but I'm like that. I do love like, the Monsters Inc. ride though, it is, especially but... when you're in the sushi mm-hmm. restaurant and you smell like sake. Okay, mm-hmm. it is Crazy. a great, it is a great ride, and the and doors was teed up for to a... you at the end. Okay, fine. I just think the doors was like teed up as a perfect roller coaster. Um, it was. It was. <laughs> like, I, I just don't even know how they would do no, that technologically. Technologically, it would be insane. Yeah, it would be wild, but so brilliant if they could do it. Anyway, we digress. Um, so we've covered a lot of lines. It's all that... just us stalling for time because we <laughs> cannot possibly pick a best line from this. No, movie. exactly. And I was just going to go. We've gone, <laughs> gone over I've, a I've lot got of. Three. Oh, you have three. Okay, we've gone over a lot of like funny, memorable lines. I would love to hear what your best lines are because, yeah, stalling for time. Adam, I do just you probably you have... 
gonna pick one of yours if yeah. I like it and say, oh yeah, it was that That's one. Too. Um, Adam, what are yours? Okay, so and and I actually feel a little guilty about using this one after Melanie, your 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 worst one. Um, <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same, but it's. I think it's it's. I will say, I I don't know why I gravitated towards this. Maybe it's because it's it's not even one of the main cast that says it, but I think it's the funniest thing. Um, is just the line of scary beyond all reason. Oh, I scary think beyond is all reason. Yeah. such a brilliant line to just like oh yeah you know scary beyond. All, I think it's both the reading. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's done Genius is just to describe Yzma is so good. And I don't think you have to feel guilty about it because that's not talking about like her being how an old looks. woman being scary or how she sure. looks. She right. is scary beyond all reason as a character. Right. And I, so I agree. Right. I think that is a great line and a great line it's, read. It's such a good one. And then really quick, I'll just hit the other two and they both come right after each other. And it's at the very, very end is when Yzma has just laughed as the cat. And then she says, is that my, my, is that voice? my voice? Is that my <laughs> voice? It feels like it's the first time that she's kind of joined up with the rest of the comedy of the film and mm-hmm. she's all of a sudden kind of being very more like more self-aware and then right after that is 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 the um <laughs> listen pal we didn't order a giant trampoline <laughs> well couldn't you have told me that before so i set it up so is good. is again it's yeah. it's just these other random people just being so self like you know just it's it just killed me all all of those are just so so good i loved the trampoline but again, my whole theme was the under yes. the, the underappreciated lines was how i was going with because that's and i love the trampoline just, you can't pick a best one because the trampoline to me is very much like in case you didn't get it up to this almost end of the movie this is so wacky, ridiculous. Like, you yeah. know, I, I just love it that they just like commit to it. Even in the middle of the climax of the movie, they're like, no, keep it up. More comedy. Go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's, those are mine. Those are mine. So I love, I love the idea of like the underappreciated jokes because I think, I think one of the things that made, I'm going to go with what made me laugh the hardest, I think in this movie, because mm-hmm. there are so many things, as we've said, it's so intentional and mine is not a main character either um, but it comes at the end when they're all like being turned into different animals from different from the potions and mm-hmm. you have the guards and one of the card guards just goes hey i've been turned into a cow can i go <laughs> can home? i go home just, <laughs> you're excused anyone else me nope, because it's like good. this big bulking like guy who's like i mean they've all been turned into animals that are yeah. not themselves and he just says i've been and like the, the his voice is like does not match the like hulkingness right. of this cow either so it's like hey have, yes. i've been i've been turned into a cow can i go home can I go home? So your excuse. So then I will finish out this theme and I'll go with the underappreciated and I'll go with like two things that I noticed this watching, like uh, this viewing of the movie. Um, the thing that made me laugh the most this movie for some reason, or this viewing of the movie was at the funeral <laughs> and mm-hmm. she gives the eulogy. <laughs> she gives this like well, very somber <laughs> eulogy and then goes, well, and it zooms in and she like throws her arms open and goes, well, we ain't getting any deader. Back to work. Hey, ain't getting any deader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just and like I died. Like I like guffawed out loud in the middle of my house. Oh God. It killed me. Like uh, how they I got mean, Eartha Kitt to do Eartha, this. I was going to say Eartha oh. Kitt appreciation. Just like yes. right there. Eartha Kitt appreciation post. But like, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to pull like a, a little bit of a Melanie here and say like, overall, the 
I, I just really like honed in on the banter. Mm-hmm. And so there's uh, the exchanges, specifically the exchanges between Pacha and Cusco. Yeah. And there was one that just like stuck with me. And I, and it just because it's so realistic, it's so subtle, it's still funny. And it just like really captures their like growing relationship. So they had a fight the night before they're camping out and he gives them his blanket over the night. And then in the morning, Cusco brings Pasha back. It's not a blanket, actually. It's like uh, his poncho. It's It's like his his, um, poncho. Yeah. Yeah. So brings it back and and he's like, feels like wool. And Pasha's, yeah. Alpaca? Yeah. Yeah. My wife made it. Oh, she knits? (laughs) Crochets. Oh, crochets. Just was like giggling through the whole thing. It's so like just funny, subtle. When the rest of this movie is just like in your face, and mm-hmm. their little exchanges are are still hilarious, but just really subtle and really, like I said, like about five years ahead of their time for like what would the type yeah. of exchanges that would completely take over sitcoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love Very it, true. and they're the just like. Oh, we could not have picked a better person than David Spade to do yeah. this voice. No. I mean, absolutely. I love the, I didn't even put this together. The David Spade, Wendy Malick reunion in yeah. the movie. Yeah. From Just Shoot Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Love that. Um, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed a rewatch of this. And, and we had a nice little SNL callback. Uh, I think twice. Cusco says, oh, bye-bye. I also just to like wrap this up up with what I would quote all the time. I'm sure my brothers and I would just go booyah or yeah. oh, all yeah. the time as children. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that is not subtle at all. But that is what I took from the movie as a child. I mean, I still to this day will quote. I don't know. Someone's throwing stuff. I'll do all the time. All the time. <laughs> someone's throwing stuff. I don't know. I'll, literally every day I'll probably say that. That's, it's, there's, oh, a, very, there's a lot of quotable lines in this movie. Yeah, we barely even scratched the surface no, we of could have the gone great through this lines entire of this script. movie. The, the, there's a big... I don't know how much time either of you spend on watching Instagram reels, but Too the much. sound bites from this movie have have had a major resurgence on TikTok and on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. specifically some of Kronk's, like of the, mm-hmm. oh, right, the poison, right. the poison <laughs> for Cusco, <laughs> the poison Cusco. chosen Cusco's specifically poison. to kill Cusco, Cusco's poison. Gotcha. <laughs> <That> poison. <laughs> and then the one where he, like, wakes up. It's the peasant who I saw leaving the city who disappeared into the crowd with Cusco in the back of his cart. <gasps> He must have taken him back to his village, so if we find the village, we find him, and if we find him, we find Cusco. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, oh, man. This was very much worth a rewatch. I really... And also worth a rewatch was Meet the Robinsons, which I was not sure I had seen. Like, I, when we chose... When, I was like, I'm not sure I've actually seen this movie. And then, like, I started it, and I was like, oh, no, I've seen this movie. Yeah. Um, I think mm-hmm. I saw it... I definitely saw it way later than it came out. Because when did it come out? 2005 or 2006? Was it five or six? Yeah, I saw it. I'll look it up. Same okay, here. So... I don't think I saw it until a solid 10 years after. Okay, I saw it earlier than that. I probably saw it in 2009 because I remember watching it. It was 2007. Okay, 2007. so not way later then. Um, yeah. I remember watching it as a camp counselor um, when I was a camp counselor at Camp Shy at the JCC. This was one of the like rainy day movies we we had. and But it... 
I think I've only maybe seen it once. Um, so when mm-hmm. it, I was like, oh, okay, no, I have seen this movie. Another one that is very, very clever and very well constructed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, it's very similar in the comedy, I yeah, think, yeah. of it, it being very self-aware yes. and, 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 and really kind of leaning in. And it's very possible it might have even been you know, even due to the fact that Emperor's New Groove was, was, you know, at least maybe not successful, but had kind of clicked into something. And they were like, well, let's see what we do if we kind of do this. And we kind of walk the fine line of doing something a little more organic and real, but also still have this kind of comedy, heavy comedy. Well, we talk about it not being successful. And that's mostly just in terms of the theatrical release. Um, It Mm -hmm. was critically successful i mean most critics did uh say good things about the movie and then it ended up the next year going on to be the highest selling dvd of 2001 so i think there was at least that for them to go like oh okay we did you know we did tap into something here with this yeah it's it's tough and and again this is again another disney documentary but um if you if you've if you have or haven't gotten to see um, Waking Sleeping Beauty, which is a, a amazing documentary um, that, that covers the 10 years of Disney animation from Black Cauldron to Lion King, okay. essentially. Okay. Um, and it's and it's essentially what was going on in the studio um, at the time of, of, of Eisner and, and Katzenberg and um, Roy, Roy E. Disney and all that kind of stuff. And what was kind of the power struggle that was happening behind the scenes, but how that kind of lent to the creation of the, you know, all of those Mm -hmm. movies that happened during that time. But they talk about both the successes and the failures of during that time and and the the calls that happened and even the start of the making of the VHSs and how that was a lot of what really pushed a lot of the, you know, especially those, those direct to video sequels and all that kind of stuff. It's all very fascinating, but they talk about for at least rescuers down under when it first, that first weekend happened that they cut because it wasn't very, it wasn't doing the, the things that they wanted to in the box office that they just cut all of the promos for it because they're mm-hmm. like, well, we're not going to spend money. They, they essentially made the decision that first weekend that it wasn't a success. Right. Um, so Jessica, when you say, you know, when it, when it did better in DVD, I think they were still trying to figure out how they capitalized on that and playing that long game at that time, because really and truly that was not something that they had were built to understand or conceive of. So you wonder how they kind of identified which was or wasn't a a critical or, you know, financial success. Yeah. Interesting. If you get a chance, watch that. It's very good. I'm like adding to my Disney documentary list now. I mean, I've heard a lot of things about that era and they're always very intriguing to me. Um, And I talk about some of the things from it a lot, like how they weren't, they were for a period in there. I mean, I've, I shouldn't just start talking, but from what I've heard, um, they were considering because they had had some success with, uh, live action movies that they were considering not continuing the animation. Interesting. The hand animated films of, and and that's in the, in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. And it was, it was early. I mean, that's when they got kicked off the, the Disney studios lot. The animation department moved out of their building, the animation building on the, the animation or the, the Disney lot and were put into essentially these trailers yeah. out in, in the middle and they show it. And that's, again, if you watch this documentary, there's, there's the, the beautiful thing about this documentary is it's all archive footage. Okay, it's no it. shots of talking heads of people st- sitting and going, well, you know, 20 years uh-huh. ago when this happened, blah, blah, blah. It's all VO of those interviews. Uh-huh. 
but all paired with archive footage of things that they actually took and shot. And like, it's, um, it's Howard Ashman's first pitch of under the sea, yeah. that, the video of that. And like, it's, it's some really cool stuff to show the thread and, and the creative stuff that was going on, but also the underlying turmoil that was coming through this transitionary period of the, 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 the grumpy old men, the 12, 12 angry men. Yeah. No. What am I confusing? Anyway, whatever that group was, <laughs> them kind of going away and these new people such as Tim Burton and John Lasseter and all these mm-hmm. people who are now known for what they are and how they were in the same rooms and, and kind of directing um, the, the, tra- the, tra- the trajectory. But we got way off topic. Yeah, way um, off topic. Hey, this is... hey, meet the Robinsons. <laughs> I just like to always use that bit because everybody everybody rightly credits Little Mermaid with saving Disney, right. uh, Disney animation mm-hmm. specifically, but they never would have gotten to Little Mermaid. They would have packed up, mm-hmm. closed shop if they hadn't had the success that they had with Oliver and Company and uh, Great Mouse Detective. And I think oh, Great, Mouse, Great Detective Mouse Detective just like flies so under the radar. Most people just like kind of forget yeah. about it. Um, and mm-hmm. and I think if they had lost any money on that movie, they would have been like, that was it. I mean, Great mm-hmm. Mouse Detective could have been like the last Disney animated feature release, yeah. and and then they just got—I mean, sort of lucky, I guess—at the timing of of Little yeah. Mermaid, and that that's what people were looking for, I guess. I mean, the music, I think, is what really yeah. So Ashman pushed it into Mankin. like yeah. Anyway, a non-musical Disney movie, Robinsons. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching it. Like, I think it's fun. I think there's, again, subtleties that are, like, a very enjoyable, like, wink and a nod. Again, like, Emperor's New Groove, you have jokes that are, like, that the kids will, like, the like the visual gags, the fruit hat on Lewis's head, for example. But then you have other things that are, like, my, f- this could potentially be, I'm just going to drive a r- dive right into my favorite line in this movie go for it because i it is not a thematic line i normally try to choose something that is thematic i just chose what i thought was the smartest joke in this movie and it's such a niche joke lucille's married to bud your dad is your dad cornelius is their son what does cornelius look like Tom Selleck. Tom and Selleck. I, Tom Selleck. <laughs> well and especially i mean tom Selleck is the voice and of cornelius tom voice. <laughs> and i it, it is, and it looks nothing like Tom Selleck um, <laughs> at all. Cornelius is blonde. Tom Selleck well, has a mustache yeah. that's brown. And the um, pause, and the pause, and Wilbur has his like hand on his chin. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. It <laughs> what is, am I going to say here? <laughs> it is such a, like, but again, it's that same self-aware yeah. yes. humor. It it's is that same so like, self-aware. Because that's who voices that's who voices him, and that's so. <laughs> It's that it's, it's that meta joke stuff. It's so I mean it's like it's my same the same thing as my like meta joke of the picking up your picking up the option. But the Tom Selleck, it is so it's like again this is a it's one of those like you have to be aware of it. It's like not everybody's going to get that joke, although right. Tom Selleck is pretty well known. But it's like you have to know a little bit. And it is just so well done. I mean, there are other lines that I think are potentially quote unquote better lines. So maybe that isn't the my best line, but that was my favorite line for sure. 
I I would agree. I think it's it's a it's a good one. I also really enjoy like the Adam West being sort of the hero of the family and like mm-hmm. just but turning like his superhero persona is all about pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that and then he has a catchphrase and the catchphrase is ding dong pizza's here. <laughs> <laughs> Died. You know what? I felt I felt like I wonder, and this is something that I was thinking of as I was watching the movie. I was like, I wonder if this was just a game of Mad Gab that they were like, "Hey, give me, give me, a, give me an object, pizza." Okay, he's gonna, it's gonna be, he's gonna be pizza guy. Like it yeah. felt like every single one of those relatives was just a Mad Gab that they've decided to just. It, they were so random, so... all very well, very well done, and so zany, but like completely obscure. This was actually based on a picture book by one of the animators. Um, I did not know know that. that. Now I'm blanking on his name. I I had it looked up the other, I looked it up the other day. And another thing about this movie uh, is we have um, a, which I, and I remember looking this up when I first saw this movie because I love the voice work for a bowler hat guy. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's the director and oh, okay. we see this a lot in a lot of this era of Disney where it was like somebody must have just been doing it during like the storyboarding or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, they, and then when they came to like cast it, they're like, no, it has to be this mm-hmm. person because yeah. we have a lot of people. We have people in Ratatouille who were not voice actors. They were just mm-hmm. doing the voice. And then we have um, obviously we have Edna. Mode from Incredibles is Brad mm-hmm. Bird, and Brad Bird, they yeah. went to cast Edna, and they, but Brad had been doing this voice. Okay, for the longest time, I thought I like, oh, what's her? What's her face? The one who Edna Mode looks like in The Incredibles. I know who you're talking about, but I do not know her name yeah, off the top of my head. I'm gonna have to look it up. She's in NCIS Los Angeles. For the longest time, like I was convinced. Oh yeah, uh, Linda Hunt. I was so sure that Linda Hunt played Edna Mode because I was like, well, obviously they got her. That's such meta casting, and I was wrong. Like that yeah. was an instance of that not being the case. I I will say, kind of slightly pivoting to what was just really really cool about this movie and and one that i think i didn't realize until i think some more of the stuff that's happened over the last couple years was how and maybe this is through my own lens and maybe this isn't as 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 great as i i thought of it as being but how open the the just the depiction of the film was there was almost zero judgment even when it came to like and 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 this is such a throwaway line but it's when when Bowler Hat Guy goes into Event Co. and and he goes Miss and he goes it's Ms. and yeah. the guy doesn't make a face. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not like what. He just is very like okay, it's Ms. Like mm-hmm. it's there was a level of like okay, that's. And then I know we've been talking a lot about pronouns and all the other, but it was that thing of like, okay, is this again? Maybe it's still a joke, sure, but like the fact that it's not on screen landed as a joke or a slight or anything, you know, being like, you know, right. it's it's. It just is, is a complete throwaway, you know, you know, your name's Mary. Yeah. Is that the truth or something? Marion? Yes. That's, um, you know what I mean? And it just continues to go on or even just how accepting the family is for mm-hmm. many different things or the, the freaking mom is a puppet and everyone's just like, yeah, she's cranky. Yeah. Like there's nobody who's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. Like everyone is just so <laughs> accepting of all of the weirdness, um, which is such a cool message that, that was kind of maybe more subtly in there. Like no one was like, but look how great and accepting this family is. Right. Let's look how zany they are. Right. But everybody just kind of doesn't bat an eye. 
which is very, very cool. Yeah. I've always liked that about this movie. And I, yeah, I think, so the only reason I think I, I mean, I would have gotten to this movie sooner or later because of Disney plus, I mean, but I think the only reason I watched it before then is because we were, we actually were part of a Disney DVD club and they would just mm. send us one every month. And so when I signed up, I would just say like what I already had, or if mm. it was one that I already had, I would just, I would just like say, I don't want that one. And then send the little form back. And this is all very like, not how we do things anymore, but <laughs> right. this is all very a decade old, um, paper mail. And yeah. <laughs> and this one, I was like, oh, we don't have this one. So I think I got it right around the time that my second was born. And he's a big dinosaur fan, has been since he was like two years old. So I think he was just like, when he was about three, two or three, he was like, I want to watch all the Disney movies with dinosaurs. And I was like, well, there's really not that many. And dinosaur, mm -hmm. we did not have that one yet. And that one's a little intense. Mm -hmm. And we watched The Good Dinosaur also very intense, extremely emotional. He wasn't into that one. So he mm -hmm. sees the T-Rex on the cover of this one that we do have that is unopened. <laughs> and so we watch this. I am like into this movie. I'm like, what is going on? There is so yeah. much plot, so much like humor. It's just packed. This movie is cram packed. There's sentimentality. There's there's less, you know, life lessons. There's totally. sci-fi. There's fantasy. There's comedy. There's, it's just, it's very well done. Um, it's just, a very high talked, concept movie and they pull it off. We've talked before about the genres that mix and this is yeah. a successful oh, way yeah. of doing that. And he's like, a dinosaur's not in that movie very much. <laughs> but the line that the dinosaur yeah, does have in this movie... I don't uh, really think this plan was thought out. <laughs> yeah, but he's like, I have a big head and little arms. I'm not well, sure how well this plan was thought through. Thought out. Uh, I love with the frog, too, when the frog's like, there's like a million people over there, and I have small <laughs> arms. I'm not sure. Master. <laughs> and I love that the, the frogs are all like um, like jazz musician mafia. Like rap pack. Yeah, yeah. they like the rap pack. And they just like throw the guy in the trunk, the hat in the trunk. They're like the weasels. Ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. The weasels in uh in Yeah, Roger like Robert. the weasels. I think, you know, and it's it's funny, you know, you, you I think, you know, you hit it on the head, Jessica, where there's just so much to this. But, like, there's also, like, thematically, I, I was thinking about it, and I don't know that I really realized this, but it was almost like if this is the main plot line is if in Back to the Future, if we weren't Marty, we were we were – Crispin Glover like it's mm -hmm. it's your you're you're on the other side of that where you know you're how you, you have this person coming from the future and how do you receive this and then how do you then forward because you know that there's something that you know you're supposed to kind of do to help do that which I thought was really really um uh, again it's not like right in front of you but it is it's right there which I think is a really interesting um and fun thing to do as far as you know and how they hold on to the whole plot device of you don't really necessarily know or confirmed that that's his dad until later and mm -hmm. uh which i know i remembered when i first saw it i had no idea no because i was like i was like i was like but that's not his name his name is lewis right. and this guy's name is cornelius so what, no what are we doing right now right and um, until he says you know you'll come more like a cornelius and you're like oh, okay 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 and i had i did not put it i mean this is probably see like in retrospect more obvious but did not put together that goob was bowler hat guy I definitely didn't buy that until, oh, until like, he turns the mind. light on. When he, like, rips the, 
<laughs> and he's wearing the same clothes. <laughs> like Yugubian. It's it's so good, but it's, and that's the thing. But like everything Goob says is freaking. Oh my god! Bold. His whole I didn't write it all down, but his whole like opening when he's just like talking at Lewis. Oh yeah, yes. I love baseball. It's my destiny to play that game. I don't really care about winning. Well, like now I do because like we've lost every game. I've gotten tired of it. I'm working like so hard. All the balls are getting thrown to me. I'm trying to catch like every one. All of the people in the outfield are all looking around. Come on, let's play some baseball, okay? Not the lazy game. Yeah, it's so good. He kills me. I, I pretty much every single one of my best lines are Carl lines. <laughs> I was like, any everything Harland Williams says, yes. I'm like, this is so good. When he goes, he goes, what's the password? Uh-huh. <laughs> we don't have a password. Yes, there is. I made one up while you were gone. Like, <laughs> then how am I supposed to know it? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, it's... Uh, it's I, I wrote that down. That is spoiler. That is my best line. I was like, I made one up while you were gone. It's so stupid, it's but so, so good. And the way that it's delivered and how he realizes it while he says it. It's so funny. I, I die every time. Every time. One of my favorite, like we, we talked about this a little bit with, um, while you were sleeping, like crazy families at the dinner table. Uh-huh. is quickly becoming one of my favorite movie tropes ever. This one kind of might just oh, be like the so pinnacle of the craziest family mm-hmm. and dinner. And I loved when they start pressuring him to like take off his hat. Not super pressuring him, but they're like talking about it. And mm-hmm. and he says like, <laughs> I don't even remember how they get onto the topic of Canada. Oh, they, they say he's oh, from yeah, Canada North and North Montana. Nobody's called it Canada yeah. in years. <laughs> And they say it's something is a country state. <laughs> and, and then the, he says he won't take off the hat because he has bad hat hair. And then someone says, a North Manta- Montana man doesn't care about hat hair. This <laughs> 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 might be one of my favorite, just ridiculous lines. If you have no context for it, it's insane. But I loved it. <laughs> I think that's like one of the fun things of like both of these movies is you can quote, I mean, often... Adam, as you said, it's like there are lines that are just like so stupid, but the way they're placed and so delivered, it's like that's genius. And like mm-hmm. there are so many of those lines that you can quote out of context and people are going to be like, what the what are you? And you're like, this is so funny. And like mm-hmm. that a North Montana man doesn't care about hat hair is <laughs> one of those. I think another one is um, again, another Carl line. How can we not go to the family in this time of family crisis? By leaving the garage door unlocked, you let the time machine get stolen. And now the entire time stream could be altered. That and someone took my bike. That and someone that took, my they bike. took my bike. Yes. <laughs> that and they took my bike. <laughs> but it's, so it's that it's that pivot. And, and it's just so... And I, I think that's where, for me, at least with this movie, the reason why it has such a very special place in my heart which um, I, I've now dressed up as Wilbur, Wilbur Robinson for two separate occasions, um, hence my lovely shirt. I know, I was um, going to say, I, is, I, saw, I saw what you did there today. Is, um, is how much I appreciate when, when there can be something that is so balls-to-the-wall funny, just joke, 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 mm-hmm. and then they will absolutely hit you in the solar plexus with the, the emotional center and, and the, the, the need for all of this to happen. And it all still fits. It all, it doesn't feel like it was a harsh pivot. It doesn't feel like it was, it all happens completely 
you know, naturally and, and how there's that entire final scene about, you know, Lewis going to, to see his mom and, yeah. and the, the adoption and, and all of those things and how it's all completely peppered into this beautiful thing. It's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite Disney films is because it does that so well. And I'm glad that with, you know, things like Ted Lasso and other things that are, that are coming now is, is this, this kind of ability to be able to do both and to do both well and have them both not um, be completely one thing or another. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, it's, it's absolutely, you know, it's heart wrenching, but gorgeous and funny and, and, and they just, they do it beautifully. Right. I mean, it really hits on that need for belonging. I mean, you have both Goob and Lewis who are orphans at the beginning and mm-hmm. I mean, the whole the whole reason that Goop becomes Bowler Hat Guy is because he couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep because Lewis was up uh, like doing this invention. He missed a um, he missed a catch and lost this game that was so important to him. And then like became fixated on everything that was wrong. And Which, that becomes a theme. One that of my Lewis favorite. Is, like, one of my favorite like line reads ever when he's like, for some reason, no one wanted to adopt me. Right. <laughs> as he's just like, as they like showing the flashback of the little kid, like reenacting, losing yes. the game for the, who knows how many times. Right. So good. <laughs> and like, it's like, and then Lewis is like, well, that's the problem. You focused on what was wrong instead of keeping mm-hmm. moving forward. I'm like, well, that's a big theme that is like yes. a ha- like mm-hmm. important not heavy, but like meaningful theme. And then, but the larger theme of like this meet the Robinsons and then ultimately goo being adopted into the Robinsons is this idea of belonging and being wanted. And like, that is heart wrenching and like Uh not being wanted and feeling that being abandoned. Um, And then finding that found family. And that is, I think such a like lovely theme throughout this whole movie. Yeah. And and that's where again it's it's just so well done mm-hmm. and and I, I remember the first time I saw it and and seeing that final slide of of the of the Disney quote yes um, yes with 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 then you know the the words disappear and it leaves just that one and it's and and <laughs> as as we've already said uh, Disney's a big deal um, <laughs> I like to call myself a retired Disney adult but um, it's still very much there. And and how like that's just that thing that again you you think you're done with the story and then it kind of brings that into that real world thing uh-huh. of of you know this isn't just a, a, a tale or a, a parable or a story it's it's something that is has has somewhat of a real life implication and this is how it was this is how it was done and who said this thing um, which is which is very very neat and it just has all those layers to it which mm-hmm. uh, this movie has so many so many layers mm-hmm. so, I think if I had to choose like a best line that isn't my favorite, but like obviously something that encapsulates the movie, it goes to that point, Adam. And it would have to be that idea of keep moving forward because that really is the theme throughout this whole, like one of the major themes throughout this whole movie. I mean, I think it is, I I wouldn't choose it as my best line because it is obvious. Um, And it's said so many times in, it's not, I mean, it it is a line, but it is, there's the full line. If you go for the full line, it's what, he says to himself after he shows him, mm-hmm. he finally meets himself, Cornelius, in yeah. Cornelius's lab, and Cornelius shows him that he kept the what he called the invention, the brain, the scanner. brain scanner. That's right. He kept the brain scanner, and that was his favorite invention because that's what started it all. And Lewis says, mm-hmm. "So, so like something like if I go back to the science fair, basically, like I get to do this, I get to be you. This will all happen." And he says, "Well, that depends on you." 
nothing is set in stone. You've got to make the right choices and keep moving forward. So I think that's the <laughs> whole, if you're looking for a line that like encapsulates that whole, it would have to be not just one. keep moving forward because right. it's more of like a motto, motto. or a mantra. Right. Um, right. But I did like that line and I've been rewatching Doctor Who. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Melanie knows this. Mm-hmm. And I'm on like my fifth rewatch. And that is a huge... Which, who's the doctor? Uh, right now I'm on Jodie Whittaker. Okay. Nice. Mm. We're almost done. I'm not okay with it because now I have to wait a very long time. <laughs> but that's, you know, definitely one of the themes is like... And I think it's an important thing for people to learn for our mental and emotional health is that there mm. is not... Like, destiny is not a real thing, and we're not owed some specific future because of how we do things in the present. Like, it's a continuous thing. And I think that a lot of, like, young people specifically, because of how the school system is sort of engineered to just, it's it's like this constant progression, and you progress through this. And if you do well at this, you go to this and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And so I think that we get really attached to like the certainty of a trajectory as young people. And Mm -hmm. it's really, really hard to let go of. And it's a much harder thing to embrace our mistakes and embrace that it's going to happen And it's nothing is ever set in stone. There's not like this one mistake will ruin me or a period of mistakes will ruin me. I do like that idea that like we are all just every day trying to make the best choice that we can make in that day. And that's Mm -hmm. it. Like that's what we have. And And if you, yeah. And, and I, I think my favorite line is when they're at the dinner table or do they go back mm. at the dinner table? I don't know. I don't really remember the, it starts to get really crazy right after this. So I stopped taking as many notes. So I'm a little disoriented as when it happens, but the mom Franny does gives a toast to Lewis. And she says, here's to Lewis's failure. May it bring him mm-hmm. success in the future. Oh yes. That was a great line. I loved it. That was a great yeah, line. Yeah, they're all celebrating his failure, mm-hmm. and they're like, "You failed!" And, and he's like, "I don't that, get it," that, you know, right? Because he was so he was so distraught when he first right. failed before because of the peanut allergy, mm-hmm. understandably. But the fact that it's then flipped of like the it's almost the same exact thing happened, and then he sees the different response in arguably a, a group of people that is completely different and far more right. invested in in that other perspective as opposed to these two adults who probably weren't going to be great parents or adopted parents anyway of like finding your right tribe you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and and finding that group of people that's that's better fit for you and i mean as i mean i have toyed with for years doing a podcast about perfectionism and like breaking the idea of perfection um because like exactly what we're talking about like that idea of you need to fail like you're you're going to learn from failures and so the fact that like this movie in a movie geared towards kids is being like let's celebrate failure when you're right just we I mean, going in the school system is so much like getting that A, getting that grade, get, like yes, getting to that this was, like, college, so interesting, getting like, to this class. Yeah. And that was so interesting, like as a choir teacher, like I would always be like, make mistakes boldly because like, I don't know if you're wrong, if I can't hear it, but then you're still mm-hmm. going for what's right at some point with the performance. And it just is so like the way we do education, this is again, so off topic, is so antithetical to learning actually mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so the fact that this movie both brings up the like process of 
making mistakes and then just picking yourself up and moving forward. Like I, I loved the Ted Lasso comparison, Adam, because I think there is so much in that, like there's so many similarities of this, like you're going to fail and it's how you get back up. And I think like Disney, actually Brene Brown talks about this, like, because Disney does this so well with how they do the hero's journey in all of their movies. Like we, we never, we talk about how people respond to failure and like, oh, this person like hit rock bottom and now they're doing X, Y, or Z. And, but we never know, we never really go into that process of like how they pick themselves up. Yeah. And right. so she, yeah. in, in um, Rising Strong, Brene Brown talks about Pixar and like talks, like she interviewed, I don't remember who she interviewed uh, about the Disney process of act two. Like what's act two and how does the hero how does the hero pick themselves up? And I think this movie does a great job of exploring that. This was another movie plagued with a uh, complete overhaul. 60% of the original or the original movie was trashed wow. and redone. Mm-hmm. And that's why they so brought in the second Lewis, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, again, like, so they learned something. They knew that they had, at least story-wise, uh, something that was a failure. Now, uh, this is another movie that was not considered a box office success or even a post box office success. But I would say in terms of storytelling, in terms of uh, uh, filmmaking, this movie is successful to me. Um, I agree. I agree. You know, I and I think that's why it was so hard to find like a worst line is, you know, it's it, it, this you mm-hmm. can tell that this movie was gone through bit by bit and frame mm-hmm. by frame and word by word until it is just this extremely fast moving tight machine. And mm-hmm. think of all the things that had to be wrong to get it to be right. You know? Exactly. So speaking of that, so do, with you that have being a, said, yeah. do you have Go a worst line? No, I don't really have one. I'll okay. tell have, you, I'll tell you couple. the one that I just, didn't like i didn't if we're, if we're just saying like it's unnecessary and i have like my own little personal reasons that aren't really uh as relevant but just a sur- sur- i cannot say this word today superfluous line got it was when we're just when we're okay when bowler hat guy gets back to 2000 what i guess what we're supposed to believe is the present time so 2006 mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. And he goes to his room at the orphanage. And it's just after Goob has fallen asleep on the job and lost the game and gotten beaten up by the team. Right. And Goob, like, explains all this to him. And he's got a, a raw steak, which people don't really do anymore. It's a very, like, 1960s uh, Mm -hmm. sitcom visual. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's got the raw steak, and then he sits down on the bed and says, Mr. Steak, you're my only friend. friend. (laughs) And I don't know what, I was just like, I I thought it was unnecessary to, like, show. It's a good line. I mean, it's not a bad line by any means, but I thought, like, we didn't need it because... We already know that poor Michael Yugubian is a messed up kid and he has yeah. really struggling and like And no kid and no friends. Yeah, and no friends. And like it just was such a weird thing for a kid to say and it was a weird thing for the baseball team or somebody at the orphanage to give the kid a gigantic 
expensive looking steak for him to put <laughs> right. it was all at an orphanage. Wrong. It was all right. wrong. And it made me sad. I just, you know, there you go. That's fair. <laughs> Melanie, what do you got? Honestly, it was hard for me to choose anything because as we've said, it was so tightly written. I think if I I think if I had to choose one, it would just be like there's a better joke here. Like not that it was like not that it was unnecessary or anything. It's like that's what we came up with. Like that like there's so many like smart things in this movie and that's what we came up with. And it's when Lewis is trying to convince Wilbur to adopt Goob. At the end, he goes, I'll give you three good reasons. He stole our time machine. He tried to ruin your future. And he smells like he hasn't showered in 30 years. I'm like, there's a better joke. Like, that, there's yeah. some, there's a better rule of three that could have ended that line. Yes. And we just didn't find it. We got lazy with that mm-hmm. joke. It was a little yeah. obvious because we, yeah. we just saw that he hasn't changed his clothes in 30 years. So Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, even that would have been better because that, like, is a direct callback to that we saw that he hasn't changed his clothes. So I, I was just like, that's just a lazy joke. And so I think that would be mine mm-hmm. because I was like, there is something better we could have done there. Right. And it's, it's funny you say that. Cause that's, that's kind of my theme as well with, with worse is like, just, just lines. And I'm like, oh, you were so close. Mm-hmm. Or like, I get where you were going with it. We just didn't stick the landing. And to me, it was, it was it, to kind of inverse with what Jessica's best line was, is that scene that scene between old Cornelius and young Lewis or Cornelius and Lewis as we want to call them is I wanted there to be so much more. And the line, <laughs> there's two of them, but the one that I said, I, I think I hated more was I'd go along if it, if I was you and I am. And I'm like, <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm like the, the like two, cause he has two of them. Oh, when he goes, oh, when he goes, we're a, we're a bright kid. Yeah. And I'm like, and no, like, he's yeah, the kid. But also, like, <laughs> I was like, come on. Or we're one bright kid or whatever. And and I'm like, yeah, that's good. And that's true. But, like, it's like you don't have to hit us over the head with it. Yeah. Or if you're going to do it, like, I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. They just felt cheap. Yeah. They just felt like. And, and again, when that's your emotional center to the movie and it's like he's finally meeting his old self and there's, you know, this is where he can, like, impart wisdom or whatever mm-hmm. that is. And those are the two things that are said after, A, the, like, and I am always right. You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that one we, kind we, of fell flat for me, too. So that that whole thing, I get, you know, when this came yes. out, sure, fine, you know, okay, whatever. But again, I'm like, we, we, we could have had so much more of an emotional center there. Um, again, not a bad moment, and it's still fun. But it's like, if you really wanted to, to hit that harder and, and have that impact, I would have liked to see that, that like, a little bit more. Yeah, I could see that. Very much so. That and I swear uh, the dumb dumb line that I'm like ugh, and I get stylistically is um, this Dino's deep dish, and I was like, chew 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 on this. Come on, yeah, yeah. No, that whole scene was just chaos. That scene is pure chaos. Like, you know, oh man, it it's like the the counterpart to the restaurant scene, you know. Yeah. Is where like you have the pinnacle of like the comedy gags and the slapstick and all of that like occurring in that mm-hmm. movie, and then in this movie, it's just like we are gonna throw everything that like it doesn't even have to be feasible. We're gonna make it happen. Well, and that's the, the, that's the butler is an octopus. Okay, the octopus goes on the T Rex's face, and the the T Rex runs up a train, and like all of this, it's just crazy. Like how much stuff is jam packed into that 
Uh, yep. I mean, that's part of the conceit <laughs> of this movie, it. too. It's, it's like, because it's not grounded in our reality right now, like, they can do anything. Like, as you said, yeah. the mom's a yeah. puppet. Yeah, I buy it. That, that, I did not clock that as a problem. It worked for me. Again, a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable rewatch. So thank you for suggesting it, Adam. I yeah, love I loved getting to revisit this now being a bit older than I was when I saw it the first time. That Tom Selleck line just killed me. Tom Selleck. Tom yeah. Selleck. This has been this has been awesome. Thank yes. you both so much for having me oh on. I appreciate gosh. it when it was so when, great when when you reached out and, and and asked me to do this. I'm glad I'm glad we can make this this work. I have a very busy schedule. He <laughs> says shaking his head. Same here. <laughs> Since podcasts are a visual medium, uh, for everybody who's listening, um, Adam just sh- shook his head at that. <laughs> shook, shook my head feverishly. But no, it's it's great, and it's great to see you know both of you, and I'm so proud of where you guys are and and what you guys Aww. are up to, um, which is very very cool, and 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 I'm glad I got to know about this and, yeah. and all the fun things that you guys are up to. So, um, you know, of course, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a nice little revisit down memory lane and, and, uh, you know, you both and, and every, all the shared experiences that we had, you know, like we said, 20 ish years ago are still very much core memories yes, um, much so. for the things that still are, are going on, whether that be in, you know, tooling around in, in, in the Benoist basement, um, you know, uh, doing the craziest oh playtime stuff or watching movies, including three amigos. Um, or, you know, <laughs> we whatever, haven't done that one yet, We need to do been, that one. Oh. That'll, that'll be a good mm-hmm. one. That'll be a good so one. I'm, I'm excited to hear. One. I was going to say, I think Look, Three Amigos yeah. is just going to have to be like a rotating, like, it's just going to be like a whole rotating, like, spiel of guests. Like, it's going to be like a whole. Like, it probably people. will have to. It might have to be. But um, no, I mean, you you let me know if there's any other times yeah. you, you uh, I, will, I will gladly. And I'll also shoot you guys the, the links to those two uh, documentaries that we talked yeah. about. Yeah, please do. And we'll share those out too. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned the name of the first one. It's called The Sweat Box. Mm. And then the se- what was the second one? The one, the, the legitimate one that is available. Mm, Waking Sleeping Beauty. Okay. Waking Sleeping Beauty is the second one. Which are both great, and I want to say that one's at least on Disney Plus. Okay, yeah. But um, no, this is great, and, and anytime you guys uh, want want any sort of weird Disney crap, I'm sure I could help out. All but, right. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you guys keep keep plugging away, and, and I'm glad you guys are doing this. Thanks so much, Adam. It was yes, such a you. delight to have you here and to reconnect after a pleasure. long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can follow the podcast on Instagram yes. at Best Line Worst Line. Um, we have a website, bestlineworstline.com. And we can be found anywhere podcasts are available. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those. Um, Google. Slide, Google. Thank you. I always forget <laughs> Google. It's a way for you to forget Google. It is a, it is a blind spot in the, the brain. Google. <laughs> you, uh, you can follow people. us there. Please like, rate, subscribe, all of those things. Share the pod if you would like. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Is that my voice? Is that my voice? Oh well.